Hello and welcome to our podcast. This is the first in our series of podcasts focused on risk mitigation and management. My name is Amanda Rod, and I'm a partner here at Ropes and Gray in our litigation and enforcement practice. Joining me is Hui Chen, former Department of Justice Compliance Counsel and currently an ethics and compliance consultant. In this podcast, we're going to discuss how companies can bring a compliance program to life and how they can meaningfully use the results from a risk assessment. Compliance programs are hard to design and companies spend lots of times making policies, sometimes binders and binders and binders of policies, which I'm sure have been delivered to you for evaluation. Um, but, but actually making that policy come to life is a bit of a challenge and there's lots of processes that, that employees need to follow. How do you do that? How do you get from the written paper of the policy to actual compliance? This is where I think we need to start with values. And um, this is why I'm such a strong advocate for companies actually identifying their own values. And this is not the values that you put on a board that you hired a marketing consultant to, to write a slogan for, but this is the values that attract your employees um, to work there. This is the values that drive you to be the company that you are. And I think that's where, you know, that's where you need to start because once you have a clear set of values, what you do is to make sure everything you do reflects those values. And one of my favorite things to talk about is um, I often talk to, to law rooms full of lawyers. Um, and Very exciting, is that it? <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, I also at times speak at law schools and room full of law students. And I always ask them, how many of you have read the United States Constitution from beginning to end? Not the Bill of Rights, not the ten, you know, the first ten amendments, but the whole Constitution, which, by the way, is not that long. <laughs> um, and I would say it's an extreme minority, usually less than ten percent of the room, um, that would say that they actually have read the Constitution. Mm. Um, but. It's a living document. Why is it a living document? Because its values are reflected in our society and people fight for it. Um, when the values are, are actually threatened, people speak up, people vote, people go to court. Um, that's, that's how we keep the Constitution a living document. Mm -hmm. And I think there are similarities because the Constitution is our nation's code of conduct. And um, people don't read it, but certainly, for example, during the last election, everybody wanted to know how Electoral College worked. Mm -hmm. um, so as things come up um, and as choices are made, people always go back to that founding document and, and because um, that's something that reflects our values. And I think companies really need to think about their values and their code of conduct and everything else they do in, in light of their own values. And it sounds like in doing that, you, so you, the Constitution is equivalent, right, to the policies of a company. But it, I think I hear you saying that it can be teaching moments. So that you will get things wrong. You will find things that happen that Absolutely. are contrary to Absolutely. the policy. And that's yes. okay. Uh, th th that's how you work through the things. That's how you make sure you stay true to your values. And that's how you kind of govern conduct. I that's okay so long as you learn your lessons from it right. every time. And I think that's, you know, that's where absolutely you'll get it wrong because we're all human. Yep. But 
um, we think, you know, the important thing is that we learn the lesson so that we don't make the same mistakes over and over. And I imagine that practically speaking, trying to put this in practical terms, it means you have to actually be testing and looking to see if there are policy violations, what kind of policy violations there are. You have to be pulling all of that exactly. information together. Yes. Otherwise, you have no idea whether it's understood. Absolutely. Um, and, and one of the metrics, for example, that I know some uh, compliance officers have used um, are, for example, the type of questions they get on helplines. Mm -hmm. um, because to them, Helpline questions in certain areas uh, indicate where people seem to have, you know, um, confusions about, and that's why they call the hotline or helpline to to act to to ask the questions. Um, I also know, for example, compliance officers who track the click rates to their web pages because if certain pages on certain topics are clicked more often in a particular time period, for example. That may be indication that there is a problem somewhere. That you know, some some team or some parts of the the operation is having reasons to really look into what what is the company saying on this particular topic, and that may give you an indication um, as to where you might want to look into. Mm -hmm. And even changes over time. Right? Exactly. So if all of exactly. A sudden, uh, you have a market where there was open communication or there were that you know you were seeing things in a speak up culture yes. and it stops yes, exactly or vice exactly. versa right that's yes. all important going right. back to data absolutely yes right that's right now you've taken the data and you've worked with the employees and with the business to come up and actually complete an effective risk assessment uh, but then you come up with meaningful results you have a lot of data you've pulled together you have a lot of information that you've pulled together um, it can be overwhelming. How do you how do you pull that all together and action it so that you're actually responding to what you've found in a meaningful way? The key here is thinking back to the, the, the purpose of risk assessment, which is for you to understand the risks so that you can respond to it. And responding to it means a number of things. You can address um, issues that you believe to be emerging. Um, you can set controls at the appropriate place. You can allocate your, um, your resources accordingly. So one of the things that, that I always find interesting is um, in many, in many uh, uh, companies, when you talk about, for example, anti-bribery and corruption, people immediately go to Gibbs and Entertainment. Right. And the next thing I, you know, so so next thing I would ask them is how much out of your total spend is actually on gifts and entertainment. Very few companies, if any, have the majority of their spend, um, third party spend, on gifts and entertainment. Um, it, it's usually there are other areas of vendor spending and third party spending that is significantly more risky than that. If you just look at the financial data, so companies that when they do anti-bribery and corruption, allocate disproportionate amount of resources to gives and entertainment, would be misusing, um, misusing their resources. So the idea is getting an understanding of where your risk, uh, risks really are, and actually adjust your resources and uh, you know resources not just in terms of money and people, but attention, mm -hmm. um, to the places where where those are needed the most. And maybe the fact that companies focus so disproportionately on gifts and entertainment 
goes back with thinking that that's what the regulators want you to address uh, instead of actually looking at the risk in your particular company. Is that fair? I think some of it comes from people thinking, um, or at least in the anti-bribery area, um, bribes, giving people money, and oh, that's what gifts are for. Um, it's, it's the whole sense of, you know, it's giving, and therefore they look at the, the gifts and the, the meals and the hospitalities. I, I, you know, I'm not sure really um, what has accounted for this excessive focus, but, um, but I have always found that to be interesting. And let's, let's you know, take this also to, to another area. I mean, if, if you're talking about, uh, for example, um, safety and health compliance, uh, then you have to look at where the high-risk activities are there. Um, and, you know, you, you have office workers, for example, in an oil company, let's say, and rig workers. Clearly, rigs is where you need to pay more attention um, for your safety and health issues. And so, so, so I think, you know, the, the important thing is remember the purpose of risk assessment. It is to help guide your choices in terms of where to pay attention. Thank you, Huey. For additional news and insights, please visit www.ropesgray.com. Thank you for listening.